Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a solo podcast with your host and dear leader, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to In Broad Daylight. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown, and this is my solo podcast. You know, the one I haven't done in months. It's back today, though. You must be so excited. So what are we talking about today? A few things, actually. Up first, let's start the way any good audio podcast should start, by talking about a video. Don't worry, it's a video you've probably all seen by now. I'm talking, of course, about that video of a North Korean soldier defecting to South Korea. It is an incredible piece of footage. For one thing, it's video from inside North Korea, which we usually only get that when Vice flies Dennis Rodman out to play in charity basketball games or some shit, whatever the fuck he does over there. So that part alone is pretty neat. Also, it's just not every day that a story about several people shooting at one person has a happy ending. But this one does. Just barely. I mean, he did get away, obviously. That part's pretty dope. But also, he was so traumatized by the escape, they had to put a South Korean flag up in his room just to reassure him that he didn't just wake up again in North Korea. Which, given their history, that wouldn't have put me at ease in the slightest. We're talking about a country that concocted a fake TV prank show just to kill a dude at the airport. Hanging a South Korean flag to fuck with a guy who tried and failed to escape is small potatoes compared to that. Hey, side note, probably not a lot of potatoes in North Korea. We know that because the defector strolled into South Korea equipped with tuberculosis, hepatitis B, and enough parasites in his stomach to film a sequel to The Host. Now, I know that's a good joke because I feel compelled to let everyone know that The Host is a 2006 South Korean horror film, and the best jokes always require an explanation. Anyway, all of those things are signs of malnutrition, poor sanitation, and all the other hallmarks of extreme poverty. The hepatitis B is probably from getting treatment in a medical facility that uses the same needle on multiple patients just to give you an idea of what kind of conditions they're living in over there. So what blows my mind about this video is that we're living in daily fear of North Korea hitting us with a sophisticated nuclear weapon, but it's obvious from that video that the only reason the guy got away is because they trusted him with the country's only military vehicle. If you haven't watched it yet, the video starts with a camera that's either a drone or personally operated by Korean Jesus, because it's way, way up in the sky. Just way up there. So, nothing suspicious about that, home of Samsung Electronics. That camera is focused on a military vehicle as it pulls up to a checkpoint. This vehicle stops very briefly and then just keeps on going. At that point, a North Korean soldier chases him on foot for a bit as he pulls off. What doesn't chase him is any other vehicle of any sort. Now, if you're really good at internet research, you can track down the full video and you'll see why no cars give chase. It's because there are no cars to give chase. On foot is just what they're working with over there. You know this 
because after the first checkpoint, he carries on down the road for another few minutes. This is plenty of time to radio up ahead if they have radios and round up some vehicles and, you know, put up a roadblock of some sort, maybe throw down a spike strip, sprinkle some fucking thumbtacks in the road. Who knows? But no, they don't do any of that. They just wait for him to get to the end of the road and they continue that chase on foot. And now that he got away, do you know what North Korea did to make sure this never happens again? They dug a trench. That should do the trick. Time was you used to have to just steal a truck to break out of North Korea. Now you have to steal a truck and have a good vertical leap. I mean, at this point, are we even sure their nuclear weapons are real? They can't even mount an adequate defense against a Jeep. I mean, I'm joking, of course. Except for the part where we really aren't sure if North Korea's missiles are real. The fact is, we know very little about their arsenal or what they can do with it. We just know that every time they launch a glorified firecracker over the ocean, we get a little closer to reminding them that the U.S. is still way atop the leaderboard when it comes to nuclear aggression in Asia. But we might not even need that after this defector situation. As it turns out, in chasing down their comrade... Those North Korean soldiers violated the armistice agreement that technically ended the Korean War in 1953. Especially the part where they fired 40 rounds in the direction of South Korea. That is not a minor thing. I mean, it is kind of a minor thing. North Korea breaks that armistice all the time. Over 200 times since 1953, depending on what source you believe. But in this political climate, definitely not minor. The U.S. and South Korea both have already asked North Korea to meet up and discuss how to avoid this in the future. North Korea probably will not. Then we get to say they're unwilling to negotiate, and that should be all we need to take this relationship to the next level, if you know what I mean. And what I mean is we're going to fuck North Korea. But hey, at least that guy got out, and now he's in a hospital getting a taste of that sweet, sweet American freedom. I mean, he's in South Korea, obviously, but according to most accounts, he's been passing the time watching Jim Carrey movies and CSI. That's pretty American. Also, he's racked up $92,000 in medical bills that we're already wondering if he's going to be able to pay. And that is super duper American. And on the bright side, if we do have to go to war with North Korea, at least we've taken steps to shore up our relationship with one of our biggest allies in the region recently. Well, that's not all bright side, because the ally I'm referring to is the Philippines. But still, we've always relied on the Philippines to be one of our only friends in a part of the world that mostly hates us. But shit got tense when Rodrigo Duterte was elected president of the Philippines. As it turns out, old weed-smoking Barry O didn't take kindly to Duterte's kill drug users in the streets campaign. What a surprise, stoner! But that's all in the past now. Well, not the part where Duterte still relentlessly shit-talks Obama. He's still at that as recently as this month, when he called Obama arrogant and black. Sick burn. But yeah, that's all water under the bridge now that Trump has wrapped up his historic tour of Asia. Historic how? Mostly because it's the most time he's spent away from Florida since he got elected. Beyond that, he mostly just touched down in a few different countries, probably bowed to the leader of every single one, and then talked about a bunch of shit that they won't tell us about. I mean that part literally. At the beginning of Trump's summit with Duterte, the two just laughed when reporters shouted questions about what they'd be discussing specifically. 
mostly because Hot Rod made a pretty sweet joke about how the media is a bunch of dirty spies, and you know that's Trump's shit right there. But whatever they talked about, our frosty relations with the Philippines seemed to have thawed. When asked if human rights came up during the meeting, Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, and I quote, Human rights briefly came up in the context of the Philippines' fight against illegal drugs. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So what she's very clearly saying there is that Trump carried on the Obama administration's desire to not see drug users murdered in the streets. Except that's not even sort of clear. In fact, Trump congratulated Duterte on his success in the fight against drugs during their first phone call earlier this year. At least he did if a transcript of the call leaked by the Washington Post is to be believed. And I mean, yeah, I believe it. That, along with the fact that Duterte doesn't hate us anymore, leads me to believe that if human rights came up at all, it was just so Trump could reiterate that he doesn't care about him in the slightest. That criticism of his drug policy was literally the only beef the Philippine president had with the United States. Now, he has no more beef. So, we haven't officially said that we've changed our stance on his drug campaign, but we've very obviously changed our stance on his drug campaign. And you can tell, because Rodrigo Duterte is feeling extra bold since Trump left town. So much so that he's outright admitted to being a fascist and promised a whole new purge for 2018. This time, the target is his opposition on the left. Even better, here's his exact quote. I will follow America, since they say that I am an American boy. Okay, granted, I will admit that I am a fascist. I will categorize you already as a terrorist. Okay, I would tell you what the Trump administration had to say about Duterte's fascism claim, but I can't because they haven't said anything about it as I record this. Probably because no one's asked. Because they're an ally. The Philippines are an ally. Since when do we question the actions of our allies? Right, uh, Obama, like last year. But, but, here's the thing. Duterte did have a shocking moment of calmest guy in the room syndrome recently when he warned against provoking China too hard on the grounds that nobody can afford to go to war. I like the sound of that. And it's especially true of the United States right now. Because not sure if you've noticed... But our Navy is goddamn falling apart. Specifically, the 7th Fleet, which is the team of ships and jets designed to protect us in the South China Sea, is experiencing a bit of a crisis of competency, to put it very mildly. Since January, 7th Fleet vessels have been involved in seven different crashes or collisions. Since January. January! Is that an unusual number of accidents for a naval fleet in that short amount of time? You're goddamn right it is. It is extremely unusual. If you don't believe me, consider this. More U.S. troops have been killed in 7th Fleet accidents this year than in Afghanistan. We are at war with Afghanistan. Our inevitable war with China hasn't even started yet, and we are already losing. So why is this happening? Great question. If you're one of those trust-the-government types, the official explanation is that it's a bunch of things. In some cases, it was procedural changes that caused confusion. In others, it was just plain incompetency or human error. Nothing to see here, folks. Just normal people being asked to do their jobs and fucking it up repeatedly. Nothing we don't see all the time. Except we don't see this all the time. Our military, stretched thin as it may be, 
is still pretty great at what they do. When a military plane falls out of the sky in peacetime, it makes the news because that shit should not happen. But now all of a sudden, this one insanely vital wing of our military is just going to shit all at once. And the story is that it's just business as usual. A few more accidents than we're used to, but nothing more than that. Or is it more than that? For some reason, the detail that never comes up in mainstream media accounts of what's happening to the 7th Fleet is that a lot of perfectly reasonable and clear-thinking people suspect these incidents could be the result of cyber attacks. I swear to God I'm giving you like two seconds to chuckle and tell me some shit about Occam's Razor like the internet loves to do. Alright, now let's talk about your goddamn Razor. Which of the two options really does require fewer assumptions here? That the military fleet assigned to one of the most important strategic locations in the world just stopped being good at their job overnight? Or that a country with a history of launching cyber attacks against military targets is ramping up those efforts on the off chance we might end up at war soon? If nothing else, it's enough of a possibility that the Navy itself started investigating whether cyber attacks are the culprit here after 10 people were killed when the USS John McCain crashed back in August. And they should investigate it, because here's the thing. China has a distinct advantage over us in this situation. You see, when a cyber attack happens in a seafaring situation, it generally involves hacking GPS systems. So sending fake information that makes it seem like a ship or a plane is in one place when it's actually in another. China does it to us all the time. Google it. Maybe throw the phrase Spratly Islands in the search box when you do. You will find some stories. And I know what you're thinking. Adam, can't we also hack China's GPS systems back on some mutually assured destruction shit? Yeah, we sure can. The problem is China also uses a ground-based tracking system called Loran that's way more difficult to interfere with. If we hack their GPS, they'll just fall back on that system as would Russia and or Iran, interestingly enough. All three countries have Loran systems in place as backup to their GPS-based systems. Now, can you guess what country decided to abandon Loran systems in favor of going full GPS back in 2010? You're goddamn right it was the United States. Why wouldn't it be the United States? We have no enemies and therefore no reason to suspect our war computers would ever get hacked. But alas, that could be exactly what's happening right now, and for once in our military history, matching force with force will not help. If we pulled this shit, they would just fall back on that other ground-based system. When they pull this shit on us, our jets crash into the ocean. Or, I mean, you know, maybe it all really is just human error. But does it really matter why it's happening? At the exact moment in history when our president cannot stop tweeting threats at Kim Jong-un, Our military in that exact same region is failing in a way that could be described as slapstick comedy-like, if not for all the deaths. Or to put it a different way, here's what one anonymous sailor said to a reporter for the Navy Times. Quote, I just pray we never have to shoot down a missile from North Korea because then our ineffectiveness will really show. End quote. Anyway... Welcome back to work and enjoy the rest of your week, America. I'm Adam Todd Brown, and this has been In Broad Daylight.